Ladies and gentlemen, saints, missionaries, welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. You know, when St. Paul encountered the living God on the road to Damascus, he became a missionary to the nations, and we want to see hearts on fire for Jesus. We want to see Christians living missionary lifestyle. We want to see revival in the Catholic Church in America. I'm your host, Aaron Richards, and I'm joined here in studio with my good friend, Brother in Christ, Dan Demite. Hello, Aaron. Dan, how are you today? Oh, I'm living the dream. Amen. It has been a good, good life. Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Uh, thank you for joining us today. For those joining us for the first time, Dan and myself, we're leaders of a passionate, spirit-filled missionary community called Damascus, where we awaken, empower, and equip a generation to live the adventure of the Catholic faith through life-changing encounters. And this show uh, features life-changing testimonies, those Damascus moments that we experience. But, but most importantly, what we do with our lives beyond Damascus. Dan, can you open us in prayer today? Yeah, let's do that in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good and gracious God, you are uh, so amazing. You just show us how to live our life. You have taught us Mm -hmm. uh, through the image of Jesus what it means to be human, what it means to be alive. Lord, I pray that you would fill our listeners with the full and abundant life of Christ, that we would discover anew what it means to follow you, that we would understand what it means to follow the way of the cross, to give our lives fully and completely for you, Lord. I pray today, Lord, that you would allow our lives to be transformed, that we would encounter you, and that our lives would be different from here on out, mm-hmm. that we would never go back, that there there would be uh, uh, the old man that has passed away, and that you would give us a new life, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you're doing in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing in the lives of our families. God, we pray that you will unite us in mission, be a, be a force of unity in our lives. Allow us to see division cease. And God, we pray for healing in every relationship and that you would call us to that missionary lifestyle in service of you and one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome, brother. Amen. We got a great show planned for today. I feel like, um, so we're, we are wrapping up our summer camp season at Catholic Youth Summer Camp. I was sharing earlier about Damascus, the kind of the mission that Dan and I, uh, that you and I are engaged in on a regular basis. And the primary work of our of our uh, our flagship program at Damascus is called Catholic Youth Summer Camp, um, and and we we have just finished our uh, our eight weeks of Catholic Youth Summer Camp programming this past week, and man, I, I am I am exhausted and excited and sh- and so on fire. I remember hearing in in college one time I don't know who I'm quoting, but that. The mark, one of the marks of sainthood should be that you should be so exhausted that the moment your head hits the pillow that you are sound asleep. <laughs> and that's been, that's been one of the goals that I've set for myself since hearing that in, in college. And I can say with certainty that, uh, that's, that's what this summer was. Yeah, man, we want to be, uh, Poured out, not burnout, right? And yep. so, like, I, I'm I'm a little tired, but I'm not burnt out at all. Like, I just I'm re- ready for more, Lord, and I just want to see more of His work, more of His action. It's just Amen. like, okay, that was you like wipe like wipe the dust from your hands. Like, all right, that was awesome. What's next, Jesus? You yep. know. And so yep. the uh, and it, it is amazing. I remember like early in ministry, like um, 
that you, at the end of the day, you kind of felt burnout and discouraged, uh-huh. like, oh man, like, I just don't know how I'm going to possibly do this. Uh, and now just like the Lord wants us to live out of an overflow where he yes. doesn't want us to like, okay, I've given everything I got. Now I've got to like rest for the next like four months just to yep. survive. Yep. I, I had a, I had a really neat moment. Um, a few months back, I was talking to a good friend of mine and we were, uh, we were at a conference and we're really moved by uh, by a speaker who was delivering the gospel in such a clear and effective way. Uh, I was I was just I was really I was really um, convicted by the message that I was hearing. And this guy speaks this guy speaks every every day, um, traveling around the country on a regular basis. And I was thinking to myself, man, he must put in so much preparation. He must he must just slave over creating these outlines and studying and prayer. And um, my buddy looked at me and said, no, man, he's like, he's speaking from the life that he lives. Like he's speaking from experience. Mm. And uh, that became my prayer that day. God, let me, uh, let me be a minister that speaks out of my encounter with you. Let me be a minister that speaks out of my, the intimacy of my relationship with you. And man, that's changed my perspective. Yeah. I'm into that. All right. So this summer has been pretty awesome. Why don't you share, Aaron, kind of like the one thing that like stood out to you the most, what... With uh, earth-shattering yeah, testimony, you know, I think I think that we um, the, at this show we often kind of mention our ministry work in uh, kind of in passing, and I wanted I wanted in today's show to to give an opportunity to actually speak directly to the mission that we're that we're doing with Catholic Youth Summer Camp. I mean, um, I I love uh, my job. My job at Damascus is is operations, and um, I love seeing something happened that's never been done before. And um, in light of the fact, you know, we're, we're, we are a mission that was born of necessity. And um, if you look at St. John Paul II's call to the new evangelization, like it's, it's a missionary call that's born of necessity. And the necessity is, is brought about by a, a dramatic shift in culture. Mm-hmm. And the need, the, the new need that's represented by the fact that um, we as a we as a Catholic culture are, are are drifting away from faithfulness, away from relationship with Jesus, and you know um, I, I love the fact that that we saw. I mean, this is about souls, right? That we saw at, at summer camp this year, um, at, at one location over the course of eight weeks, thirty five hundred young people come into an encounter with Jesus, and to see the Holy Spirit alive in such a in such a dramatic fashion was incredible. Yeah, you know, we use the word encounter a lot. Like even our holy fathers, they've like this idea of like uh, creating a culture of encounter where we can encounter the living God and and that the key to a faith awakening is this encounter with God. And uh, you know, I think sometimes though like in our experiences we um like I can encounter like a person on the street and just yeah. like talk to them and then walk away. And and I think sometimes like that that idea of encounter it it uh the the word almost doesn't do justice what actually takes place in a young person's life when they encounter Jesus. That it, yeah. it, it's not it's not like we're like, "Oh, hey, I want I want you to encounter and get to know this person and then walk away and like go on with your day." That it's actually like this the the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't just want this like simple shallow encounter. He wants yeah. like to enter into our experience and absolutely transform and redefine 
everything about our experience. Yeah. And and I think that's what's amazing. Like it would be one thing if we're like, oh yeah, so we had thirty five hundred young people encounter Jesus, like as as if like, oh yeah, we had thirty five hundred people, <laughs> young people like, come to an event. Yeah, come to an event. And it's not that. Like it was actually what's so earth shattering and mind blowing yeah. is that it you're 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 witnessing and you're experiencing a, a redefining of a human lifestyle that yep. they that their minds are being shifted their yep. lifestyles being shifted and, and they're <laughs> fundamentally being changed yep. not not um, by what they do but by who they are that yeah. they're the, the 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 essence of their heart is being transformed and it's like oh my gosh like to understand that I'm not encountering like just on in a very quick way but I'm I'm being transformed yeah. by this experience yeah. with this person uh, if I had to boil it down to one experience this summer, one um, one one thing that, that that has happened, it's it's been so neat to see. You know, we, we make no bones about it. Um, we, as a ministry at Damascus and Catholic Youth Summer Camp, we fully and passionately and actively embrace our church's call, our Holy Father's calls, um, to a, a, a practice of the charismatic dimension of our Catholic faith, right? And um, I am a, a self-admitted skeptic from time to time. Even you know that there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that can happen. Whether it's a miracle of healing, whether it's um, whether it's a, a, a dramatic um, physical experience of God in prayer, a felt experience of God in prayer. That sometimes I'll, I'll kind of roll my eyes and think, man, this was motivated by like someone setting an expectation for, hey, when you pray this way, you're going to feel this thing. And then the kid feels it, and you're like, "Okay, that was God." Um, and I had I had a, a handful of really unique encounters this summer, where where kids were uh, encountering the power of God that was um, manifesting in their bodies, manifesting in their hearts, um, bringing about dramatic and unexpected conversion. And when I would talk to them, you know, these kids aren't coming, they're, they're not being instructed from the stage in what to feel. They're not being instructed by their counselors in what to feel. And my first question is always like, what kind of, what kind of exposure have you had from home? Is this, a, is this a cultural thing for you and your family? And, and the answer was consistently no, no, no. And for me, that's such an affirmation of faith that, that like, okay, um, God can actually create these moments of powerful, um, spiritual, emotional, physical uh, encounter and manifestation in complete isolation of a community that puts that on display. One of my favorite moments this summer was we saw a girl who who had a dramatic healing of an ACL that was going to require surgery, and uh, it didn't come through our prayer ministry teams. It didn't even come through a moment where we were preaching healing from the stage. It came in a silent time of adoration where she was kneeling before the Lord and she simply heard a prompting on her heart um, that said, stand. And she knew in that moment that it was Jesus and she stood and in, in that act of faith and standing based on the Lord's prompting and the Lord's prompting alone, her knee was completely healed. And, yeah, and amen to that. The, and the doctors verified, you know, she, Thank went, you, Jesus. she went home and, and, and received medical verification that, that her knee that was scheduled and requiring um, surgery was now no different from her other healthy knee. And uh, it's, it was so neat to see that, okay, this doesn't just come when we 
um, when we set the stage, when we set the expectation, but actually that God still works uh, sovereignly, that God actually desires this. It was it was such an affirmation of of kind of the um, the spirit that we're pursuing in our in our missionary work. Yeah, I love the. Uh, there was this uh, young person this summer who was like, "Yeah, I came to camp and I was kind of a skeptic to all this Jesus stuff." And everyone's like, you know, singing songs, and I was, I, I was like, eh. <laughs> and um, and he says like he wasn't really entering in, and, and his heart was like not really even like sure he was convicted uh, yeah. of the Lord's presence or power or even his existence. And um, he he was in bed one night after an evening of prayer and um, with all the other campers, and he's like, eh. and then I I I felt like as I was like struggling with these questions, uh, I felt this like heat come upon me while I'm laying in bed, which is just funny, like, because how, um, like if you've been walking with the Lord, you sometimes hear and know that the Holy Spirit can work in that way where like a, a powerful heat will fall upon a person. But if you're like a middle school student, like having you, never been yeah, instructed having, in this yeah, before, not knowing that happens, <laughs> uh, and he's articulate, he's in bed late at night, not able to go to sleep because he has these questions about the Lord. And the, he's like, I felt this heat come upon me. So I was like, well, maybe this is the Lord's presence. And so he just gives God permission. He said, Lord, if this is you, let me know. Yeah. And he said that the, all the pain that was in his neck and his back, uh, disappeared and that, and that, <laughs> Uh, he was healed from all of his neck pain. And um, and what was so Thank amazing you, is he testifies to this experience before one of our closing masses, and, yeah. all, and the parents were there. Well, a mom who did not know this person um, c- comes up to me afterwards during mass, and she's like, I, I got to tell you what happened to me during mass. She's like, that young man, a middle schooler, testifies to what God had, had done in his life. And, and during mass, uh, during communion, I felt this heat come upon me. And she's like, so I was like, well... That kid said it was the presence of God. So I was like, okay, God, if this is your presence, do something. And she said, before Mass, I wasn't able to turn my head more than a quarter, like quarter away. And, and she was able to uh, move her neck completely both ways. And she's like, <laughs> it was amazing. And so I just think it's amazing that, like, when, first of Thank all, a young you, person who was somewhat questioning just opened themselves up yeah. to, um, giving God permission to work in his life and because yeah. of that God worked. And, and then this mother, because of his testimony, she said, okay, well, this is how God operates. Yeah. And then when the Lord said, well, I'm going to operate in th- this way in your life as well. So, uh, it was this, as if the spirit of testimony became the spirit of prophecy yeah. that what, what this young man testified, um, was a promise that God wanted to yeah. do in this mother's life. And she, she experienced the same thing. Yeah. It was just really powerful. Well, we've got a treat for you today. Um, I, th- I think a, a lot of times we've we have um, been so focused on on the the need to maintain a balance in ministry, and uh, and as as we testify to God working sovereignly and powerfully in healing, um, I, I want to share with our audience today a unique perspective in one of the teachings that we've delivered at Catholic U Summer Camp this summer that's entitled "The Way of the Cross." And the fact that the way of the cross, the way of sacrifice, the way of Jesus um, should not stand in contrast. We should not be anxious about testifying to to miraculous healing. We should not be um, anxious about praying for God to show up in power. We should not be anxious about pursuing, earnestly desiring after the supernatural gifts as St. Paul calls us to in in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12, but rather that we should see these things in light of the full message of the gospel. So today, um, we can't wait to share with you, um, and we will do that 
right after the break. Once again, you're listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio, and we'll see you soon. One year after his election, Pope St. John Paul II came back to his Roman alma mater and addressed the university. Dear Dominican Fathers, your charism of studying the world of God and human realities can be a powerful service today, just as it was in the past. Thomas Aquinas called Dr. Humanitas for his passionate devotion to the truth must become your model of dialogue with the culture of our time. This is Father Benedict Kroll, the Director of Mission Advancement for the Angelicum in Rome. Learn more at angelicum.it. Hello, Journey Home family. Next time, we'll welcome Noelle Colbertson to the program. Noelle is a former Southern Baptist and will share what led her to embrace the Catholic faith. Share the journey next time on EWTN's The Journey Home. The Journey Home with Marcus Grodi is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. Join us Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on EWTN radio and television. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Once again, we are jumping right in 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 an awesome show. We're looking at the way of the cross today and how... Uh, how our call to embrace the message and the work of Jesus is never um, standing in opposition to our experience of the power of God. And I want to I just kick us right off. You know, uh, we have this saying at camp, and I wish that it would translate to radio. When, when, we, when we say, Jesus Christ brings us, all of the campers shout, Freedom! Freedom! Jesus Christ <laughs> brings us freedom. Jesus Christ brings us freedom. And, uh, and at camp this summer, just to set the scene for, for this night, we're basically sharing a message that our campers heard over the course of eight weeks at summer camp that was so impactful to their experience. And um, to set the stage, what, what the campers experienced was a walk through the Stations of the Cross. We saw the entire, um, the entire exposition of the Stations of the Cross done in drama on stage where actually there was like a side-by-side overlay of um, of Jesus experiencing his, his passion and his crucifixion and death next to um, a young woman who was going through these struggles of, of making choices and maintaining a healthy Christian lifestyle and ultimately, um, ultimately bearing the weight of the burden of failing to effectively uh, live out her Christian call. And the, the, the grand finale of, of, the, of the drama was that Jesus came from the cross and he took, well, he, he came from, the, from his uh, scourging and passion. He took the chains on his shoulders and then he carried those chains to the cross where he was crucified and died. And then, and then he comes back free of those burdens. It was just a powerful, uh, a powerful image of, of, the, of the, the saving work of Jesus. Yeah, amen to that. I think sometimes we forget, like, we, we, we hear this message, but yeah. especially as, us as Catholics, I don't know if we reflect on it enough that Jesus Christ died for us. Yeah. And I think when we hear that, we're like, oh, yeah, he died, like, um, like as a gift for us, right? Like, yeah. as, uh, that was a gift that he offered his own life for us. But he actually died, like, for us, like, in place of us. Like, he took upon himself at the moment 
uh, of the death uh, on the cross, he took upon himself our um, our, our just punishment for sin, right? And, and he experienced for us in our place, he experienced the death that was destined to us, the yeah. eternal, um, you know, our, we, we were, because of our sin, we were destined to eternal damnation and brokenness and loneliness and um, alienation from God. <laughs> I know, but this is why it's such good news that Jesus Amen. Christ, he died in our place so that we didn't have to experience eternal yeah. death. And, yeah. um, and, this is just an amazing reality that Jesus died for you, listeners, that he died in your place so that you could experience life. And Amen. he doesn't want you to to go through life um, broken and beaten and weary and yeah. tired, but he wants you to experience the abundance of heaven. So when we look at the cross uh, and, and believing that Jesus brings us freedom, when when Jesus looks at the cross, does Jesus see a place of suffering or does he see a place of victory? Victory. Yeah, that, that was the first question we kicked off this this session with because um, we see in the gospel so many times that Jesus operates on a different wavelength from what our culture would communicate. That that uh, the culture at the time of Jesus, when they looked at a cross, they saw torture, right? They saw suffering, and um, and, and so many times Jesus rewrites the narrative, right? We see in Scripture that he says the rich are poor. And the poor will be rich. He says the first will be last and the last will be first. He says the exalted are humbled and the humbled are exalted. The one will be greatest should be the servant of all. The one who gives receives. The one who mourns rejoices. Who's weak is strong. Um, that, that we should be glad when we're persecuted. That we bless those who curse us. We love those who hate us. We do good to those who harm us. And finally, the, the, the most stark uh, statement that I think Jesus makes, he says that in order to live, we must die. die. In order to live, we must die. And uh, this is the stuff that when the world looks at, the world sees craziness. Mm-hmm. And when we look at as Christians, we see the fact that Jesus is he he doesn't he doesn't play by the rules, right? That Jesus Jesus is the one who who has established this order, and that Jesus Jesus positions us so that when we look at the cross, when we look at death, we can see victory and life. Okay, Amen to that. I had all the kids stand up at uh, at camp, um, all our little middle schoolers. And I would say, all right, Christian soldier, stand at attention. And, uh, and they would stand at attention. And, and then I would say, Christian soldier, what do we want? And uh, their response would be victory. And then I would ask them, what, do you know what the most dangerous kind of soldier is? It's a soldier who's unafraid to die. And when we know that in order to live, we've got to die to the world, we've got to die first, um, we begin to see things in light of the way that Jesus saw things. That's amazing. Yeah, and and when we look at we look at how Jesus saw things, every thought that he had, every strategy that he had, Jesus's entire perception, perspective as he walked the way of the cross was based on his his heart and his understanding of 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 his father's desire. Yeah. Well, and it's just this uh, this reality that if we want to see victory in our lives, we yeah. have to be ready to die, right? That the victory is going to come over our family's life, over our life, over our nation. Victory comes through death and uh, through death to self. And when uh, when the way of the cross, this paradox of the cross is um, that Jesus has a plan and a promise yep. over your life, yep. and that plan and the promise fundamentally comes when we make the decision that, hey, the, I, I'm just going to die to myself and I'm going to allow the Lord uh, to resurrect me. Yep. So we identified three big themes this summer, um, and I, I would invite you to identify those for yourselves as well. When, when, when Jesus asks himself, what is the will of my Father? Um, we identify three key phrases 
that, that the Father's will is at all times. And the Father's will for Jesus and for us is freedom, healing, and power. That everything the Lord does revolves around his pursuit of, of freedom, healing, and power for us. And as, uh, I don't know, as, as a listening audience today, as, as parents, as, as teachers, as, um, as, you know, men and women in the workplace, as students, there, there's no exception to the fact that our lives um, are, are directed and, and, and need God's freedom and healing and power. If this is something that Jesus needed, it's something that we need as well, right? That he wants to set us free from the chains that weigh us down. He wants to bring healing, to wipe away our tears and, and, and to bring transformation into our life. And finally, he wants, to, he wants to give us the power over death that we can actually accomplish the call that he's given us in our lives. Yeah, Aaron, I, th- I think the sad thing about Christianity is so many Christians have lost um, hope that real freedom, healing, and power is even possible in this yeah. life. You know, they're like, as, as if like, okay, well, I'll get freedom, healing, and power, but when I get to heaven. And, yep. and we've kind of like settled into this mediocrity or this, um, uh, I would say it's like a lack of faith that Jesus can't accomplish that in my life yet. You know, yeah. like I've got to die first and in the afterlife I'll experience that. But I, you know, I think the Lord wants us to experience like the fullness of his freedom, his healing, his power here on yeah. earth that, that he wants to empower us to live a life of boldness. He yeah. wants to to give us freedom from the opinions of others so that we can live a life like of true sonship, of true daughtership, and, and just free to love. And yeah. that these promises, while they're definitely eternal promises, they're not, they're, it, we get a foretaste of heaven here and now. And, yep. um, and I, I often like reflect as to why, so people who, um, are are uh, going through the motions of their faith. They're doing the the right things, if you will. They're going to mass. They're they're entering into prayer. Why is it that they don't experience more breakthrough in these areas? Right. And earlier we were like giving testimonies of um of of young people who have had these profound experiences mm-hmm. of faith. And and so why is it that sometimes adults were were not as open to experience these profound encounters and these life changing moments? Or why is it that we young people are able to experience this? Um, freedom in Christ Jesus or this healing or this empowerment, and yet sometimes adults don't, <laughs> right? And and I think there's this reality of um of the 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 old and the new self that yeah. the Lord has said, okay, um the He wants you to experience the new man experiences freedom, healing, and power in their day to day life. Like Saint Paul, he says, "Behold, uh, uh, um whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new things have come." And I think sometimes we lose that expectancy as yeah. adults, where like. Um, do you believe those words? Like that he says, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away and new things have come, have come. And uh, the Lord wants to give you new life today. Like it wasn't just this baptismal reality that I experienced an ontological change at my baptism. And I, you know, this indelible mark that marked me as a Christian, like that's an aspect that I know that's a, that's a true aspect of uh, Christianity. But then the Lord says, behold, I make all things new that today is new. Tomorrow is new. And then the new man can experience new freedom, new healing, new power today. But this linchpin is the cross that, the linchpin is the old man has to die. And yeah. in order to find the fullness of what Jesus wants to give us in freedom, the old man has to die. And in order to find the fullness of what Christ has for me here in this life of healing, the old man has to die. And yeah. to, to be empowered, 
the old man has to die. And, and I think sometimes we're like, well, I want to hold on to the old man. And because of that, the new life, the new man is never discovered. And, yeah. um, so, so many times you hear stories even of like, uh, I'm just thinking this through, you know, that Jesus says in scripture that, um, that maybe even for a good cause, some might give their life. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, that might not be, that that's, that's somebody in scripture, um, that even, even for a, for a good cause, somebody might, somebody might give their life. But, um, when, when you look at, there's so many stories of, of like heroic sacrifice that happens, um, in, in the lives of young people, right? You see, you see young people in the hospital who are, who are suffering from leukemia or something who, who just have this, um, this, this, this complete lack of fear of death. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, so many those, those stories are so striking to me. And when I was standing in front of a crowd of 250 middle schoolers and, and seeing their, their childlike, because they're children, their childlike zeal on display as, as they, as their hearts were being moved and motivated by this reality that in order to live, I've got to die. And I wonder if, if, if it's it's the fact that you know as a child i don't have to there there's less baggage that i've developed there's less stuff that i have to forget there's less crap that i've got to unlearn in order for me to realize that um that the authentic call in on on my life the authentic call that god has is is one of childlike surrender it's one of the ability to be able to hear that truth proclaimed and to actually believe it yeah, I mean, in working with young adults, it, you you see it so boldly that they're willing to make lifestyle changes, like yeah. a complete 180 lifestyle change where like, I was on this path, yeah. and now I'm on this path. And they, they don't go half in, like they're ready to go all in. And I feel like sometimes our millennials get a bad name, but I like, I love the millennials because they're just so willing to like, just go all in. And like, it, it, like, that's what the gospel needs. Like this, this insane. And as adults, I think sometimes we settle into this like habitual way of life. We're like, well, I can't make a change. Like at this point, (laughs) like, and, and sometimes the gospel requires that I would be ready to just say, Hey, you know what? I'm making a total change to my, my lifestyle because the old man has to die and and I'm going to let this old lifestyle die so that I can experience freedom, healing, and power. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not changing the old lifestyle because like of some obligation. I'm changing it out of a hunger for real freedom and yep. that I'm just I'm done with. I'm yep. sick of this limited experience of human freedom that I want it all. That's great. And that's, that's great. the kingdom of God belongs to the childlike, right? Yeah, man. All right. So I, I have one of my favorite phrases and kind of what we what we what we want to kick off for the rest of this time is that if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Our, our theme, <laughs> our theme this summer at camp was was venite me, come follow me. And I, I asked our students boldly. I said, "Hey, you know, we say come follow me. Why on earth would you want to follow Jesus if following him means the way of the cross? Like, who in their right mind would desire something like that?" It's because Jesus wasn't a masochist, right? Jesus didn't desire his own death. Jesus didn't desire his own suffering. What Jesus desired was the promise, was, was, the, was the, the, the promise of freedom and healing and power for, for himself and for us, right? That, that, that Jesus knew the Father's will and knew that in order to receive the reward, the reward that he desires for us, the reward that he desired for himself, 
it, it, it comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. That in order to receive the reward, there's a cost to pay. And, and the cost of, of, of suffering, of sacrifice, that when we lay our lives down, we see victory. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. My job's not to question why. My job is simply to see that this is the, this is the way that, that God himself has chosen to, to exemplify for us. That I, I need not question the commands of the Lord. Um, that I, I see that in order to find victory, um, that I need to embrace the way of the cross. We, we, we founded ourselves in Luke chapter 9, and I, I want to read it for us now as we kind of dive in deep, all right? Jesus said to all gathered, he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their very self? And we've heard that scripture passage a hundred times, a thousand times. But I think so many times our temptation is to, is to ignore the weight of these words, right? What do we... What do we talk about when we when we when we express the, the cost of discipleship? What does this mean for us? It means that in order to receive the reward, we've got to talk about the cost, and and uh, the cost is so clearly displayed here. And I think so many times we we actually interpret this wrongly. And once again, if Jesus if Jesus saw the cross as a vehicle of suffering, um, it would have been a very different story than than if when he looked at the cross he saw victory. Amen. So. Uh, what does it mean to deny yourself? Uh, the the first piece of this puzzle that we want to pick across. And uh, my favorite aspect of this is when we look at the word deny. Um, deny is a word with such rich connotation. And, and, and one of the other ways of, 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 of speaking about the word deny would be to disown yep. something, right? And Dan was just talking about all, all the, you know, as, as adult humans, all of the responsibility that we have. Because, because why? Because we own so much stuff. Because we have so much responsibility for maintaining our little our little kingdom, right? And um, uh, you know, we we talk about what 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 does the process of disowning mean? It would mean to 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 give up, to relinquish your ownership of something. And uh, I I asked all the students, uh, all the campers at camp this summer, and I'll 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 position it for our for our listeners at home. Okay, we own a lot of stuff. Um, how many people own? Another person. Um, hopefully, all the hands have gone down. Right? <laughs> what do we call owning a person? We call it we call it slavery. Right? Slavery is not a good thing. It's a very very bad thing. Yep. But um, but but when you when you think of of in addition to being a bad thing, it's a very significant thing. Right? That that we would have ownership of another person. When a when a slave um, when a slave accomplishes the work of his or her life is he is he accomplishing is is he or she accomplishing his or her own work now no their job is to accomplish the work of their master mm-hmm. right when when a slave has the responsibility of carrying out a mission is is he or she accomplishing their own mission no they're now accomplishing the mission of their master that when we realize that to deny ourselves means to disown ourselves you know, imagine imagine for a moment that that you have you have ownership of yourself in some weird, twisted way. That you are the that you are the slave master of yourself. That you hold the chains that bind yourself. To disown yourself means to actively make a choice to hand those chains to another. 
Now, this is a unique situation. Why? Because we're handing them to Jesus. Okay? <laughs> we're handing our chains to Jesus, uh, that, that we are giving our, uh, our ownership of our lives to him. That we, when we deny ourselves, that in that process, Jesus becomes our master. We no longer live to build our kingdom, but we live to build his kingdom, right? Amen. And the, it, I just think it's really neat because the, um, like to, to be able to say, like, I've disowned myself or I've denied myself, that I'm, I'm claiming that I'm no longer my own master, that I'm giving Jesus ex- complete control over my life, yeah. then what happens is that's where I experience the freedom. And it, it's interesting that in being, um, if you will, a, a willing slave to Christ, and yeah. you see St. Paul say that all the time, a prisoner to the Lord or a slave of the Lord, that uh, that's that's only when you experience authentic freedom. But if you want to dive into authentic freedom, it's never going to come from doing whatever you want, whenever you want. It actually comes from saying, Lord Jesus Christ, I no longer control my own life. I'm giving it totally over to you. Amen. The, you know, the... the uh, that, that Jesus, when he receives our chains, that he's, that he's not a slave master, that he's a chain breaker, and he receives our chains that we give to him freely. And, and what's his response? His response is his desire. His response is his father's desire, that, that, that he looks at us, I don't know, he looks at us in, in a way that is, that is loving and that is compassionate, and he takes our chains and he crushes them in his hands. So you use that word disown, and if I were to disown a, a family member, right, it's like I'm no longer in relationship with that family member. And if I were to disown myself, I, I would no longer be in relationship with that old self, right? That it's like, okay, I'm no longer in relationship with who I was yesterday, that now I'm, I'm in relationship with Jesus mm. Christ. And I, I think this is so tricky because um, to truly deny ourself, it means that I'm so hungry uh, like I allow God's hunger for me, like you said earlier, that a slave doesn't carry out his own mission. He carries out the mission of his master. Well, now when I've denied myself, I'm no longer in relationship with that old man. So I no longer care about the mission that I once had for my life, my own dreams, my own plans, my own agenda. Now I'm consumed with Jesus's mission yep. and I'm hungry to carry out whatever he asked me to carry out yep. because as Paul says, and Paul, Paul just, he, he understands this because he lived it so well. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That it's not like I, it's not like I'm losing myself and listening to Christ. It's that Christ and I now become one where Amen. Christ's hunger becomes my hunger. Christ's mindset becomes my mindset. Christ's mission becomes my mission that I'm not obedient, if you will. I'm not like surrendering to Jesus. I'm becoming one with Jesus. And that's where it's so insane. That's where freedom happens because I'm alive because what I want is actually what Jesus wants. So what Jesus wants is what I want. And so there's freedom where it's no longer... And ultimate human freedom doesn't come from this like surrender of the will. It actually comes from uniformity of the will. That surrender of the will is beautiful, and I should surrender to the will of God. But ultimate freedom comes when I'm united with the will of God, where it's like, hey, you know what, God, you wanted that, and that's what I want. And that's what Jesus experienced, if you will, on this way of the cross, where he's going through this process of, in the garden, he's surrendering himself to the will of the Father. But on the way of the cross, he's actually becoming united to the will of the Father, where he says, I want what you want. This is right now. This is what I, I desire. Amen. Amen. All right, we got to keep moving or else we're going to run out of time before we finish our story. Okay, so uh, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. 
take up your cross. That is a tagline that we as Christians, I think, have driven into the oh, ground. Oh, yeah, and we've sewed it on, like, pretty throw pillows and made it, like, <laughs> we're like, oh, pick up our cross and follow Jesus. And Even as a parent, I think my temptation is to be like, kids, taking up your cross means you got, you got to deny that second donut yeah, after oh, yeah. Mass on mm-hmm. Sunday, right? Yeah, the Son of God came into the world so we give up chocolate <laughs> during Lent. Or, or we have to unite our sufferings to Christ, right? So when I step on that Lego, man, like, that is my... Okay, hold up. You just defined the greatest human suffering in the world, though. <laughs> Stepping on a Lego hurts in an uncanny way. That is true. That is true. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that so often we have we have um, we've equated Jesus's call to carry our cross with with the with the the, the metaphorical cross carrying the, the metaphorical uh, bearing of our daily suffering and. That's a part of it, but it's the smallest part of it, right? Yeah. What did the apostles hear Jesus say when he said to carry your cross? I, I can guarantee they didn't think of a Lego or a second donut. What did they think of? They thought of a cross. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> right? The instrument of torture. So, uh, and, and we've heard this story so many times, I think we become desensitized to it. it th- this was my favorite way of illustrating this uh, to our campers this summer. I said, all right, campers, hold out your hands to your side like you, like you would see Jesus on a crucifix, um, straight at your side, level at your side. And uh, and I delivered this entire segment um, while their hands were out at their sides. So <laughs> if you have sixth graders at home, you can try this with them. Um, and, uh, and and we talk about this, this, this metaphorical concept, but the reality is that, that crucifixion was was the artistic technique of the Romans for creating the worst amount of human pain possible before someone died. Oh yeah. Um, I, 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 as their hands are raised to their side, I'll ask them, you know, and I'd ask you today, how many people have ever heard of the word excruciating, right? Does excruciating mean a little painful or a lot painful? It means like the worst painful, right? Mm-hmm. And and the word excruciating was actually a word designed to describe the pain of crucifixion. Why? Because there was no other word that could describe it as well. So um, we, we 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 talked about crucifixion. At this point, their their hands are getting a little tired, and I'd say, "All right, whose whose arms are getting tired?" And they would all start moaning, and I'd say, "Okay, hold them up higher." And uh, at this point, we're going on like twenty five seconds, right? And and then we begin to describe the 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 process of crucifixion the 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 actual um the actual meaning that the apostles would have heard when when jesus said to take up your cross and follow me to realize that crucifixion isn't isn't a you know a nice and quiet death um in in the privacy of a prison cell that crucifixion was was ultimately death by suffocation you know as their arms are held out, they're they're experiencing that their shoulders are getting really tired now. And I said, all right, you guys know what the purpose of your shoulder muscles is? It's to hold in your arms, right? And as your shoulder muscles become exhausted, an interesting thing happens when your arms fall out of their sockets. And uh, and and what happens when your arms fall out of your sockets? Now the the weight of of bearing the the weight of your body is is held by your pectoral muscles, by your chest. And your chest also performs another function. It holds your 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 chest cavity, your lungs, um, in in position, right? And as as those muscles become exhausted, all of a sudden you lack the ability to breathe. And kids, how many how many people are experiencing um, some challenge in keeping your arms up? Right. The only way to relieve that pain is to lower your arms. That's really challenging when your hands are nailed to a cross. 
And the only way that you, you have the ability to actually lower your arms so that your lungs can open so that you can take a breath is to, is to stand up on your feet that also happen to be nailed to a cross, right? So this process of um, this exhausting and painful and torturous process of, of standing uh, on, on nailed feet to try to get one more breath before you fall in exhaustion and your lungs collapse again um, is, is the process that Jesus went to. At this point, we're at 90 seconds with our campers, right? And I, I, finally, I finally give him a reprieve and allow him to sit down as I continue that, that while, while this hurts to do this for a minute and a half or two minutes, that when someone would die a death by crucifixion, they would, they would be in this process for eight or ten hours, Right, Jesus. Jesus died quickly. Why? Because of the torture that he endured before he went to the cross. Um, but even even three hours on a cross would be would be insanity. And that ultimately the death that that is that is suffered is is one of of complete physical and emotional and mental exhaustion and torture and pain. And, and it wasn't done in isolation. It wasn't done in the privacy of a prison cell. It was put on display on the, on the tallest hill in front of the city gate, um, right, right behind a landfill, so that when the, when the crucifixion was finished, they could just cut down the body and, and toss them in the pit of trash. And it wasn't done in isolation or in, um, in any observation of, of privacy, but, but you know, the, the prisoner was tortured completely naked on display for all to see. So it could be the height of shame and the height of embarrassment and the height of torture and pain. And, uh, and when we see, when we see that that's what Jesus means, when he says to take up your cross and follow me, our perspective begins to shift and our, our, our understanding of the fact that, okay, number one, this is the gift that Jesus gave for me. And number two, this is the lifestyle orientation that he's calling me to live if I desire to see the reward of, of, of discipleship. So here we are 2,000 years later, and we're afraid to share Jesus's name at work, right? Yeah. Like, like, and this is the call of discipleship that Jesus is saying, hey, if you wish to be my disciple, you must pick up your cross. And the early apostles, they heard that. The disciples, they heard that, and they said yes. And right. the unfortunate reality of today, I mean, praise the Lord, we live in a, a country with religious freedom, and, and Lord Jesus Christ, protect that forever, right? Um, but the unfortunate reality of today is that we can call ourselves Christian, and it cost us so very little. Um, mm-hmm. I remember one of the, the, the moments that defined my life was when I was praying in front of a crucifix as a 17- or 18-year-old uh, boy in my senior year in high school, and I heard the Lord as I was reflecting on this reality of him giving everything for us, I just heard him say, Dan, my love for you cost me my life. What does your love for me ever cost you? And this idea that our following Christ, he, he told the disciples, if you wish to be my disciple, you must pick up your cross daily. It's got to cost you everything. And brothers and sisters, if you're like, why haven't I experienced the freedom, the healing, and the power that the gospel promises? Why haven't I experienced the new life and the full life of Jesus Christ? Maybe it's because we haven't allowed us, like we, we, the gospels cost us nothing. <laughs> like yeah. until we say, Lord, I give you everything and we're willing to give him everything, then perhaps maybe I won't experience the reward. That the reward comes, the, the resurrection, the life, the joy, the freedom, the healing, the power, it comes yeah. after the complete gift of self. Amen. And, and I, I can't allow, um, 
we can't allow ourselves as, as modern Christians and we can't pass on to our children a faith that says Christianity is cozy and cushy, right? That that I can go along to have a happy life with Jesus and it's it's um I'll have a happy life with Jesus. Um but but the I've got to be willing and ready to experience rejection and denial and shame. And um, and that's what Jesus was telling mm. these disciples. All right. Well, on that fun note, we're going to take a deep breath and we're going to take a little break. And we're going we're gonna to wrap up this message with an exciting call to understanding and embracing our common promise of freedom and healing and power uh, after the break. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. You remember the time I said on the air, go to confession. And when you're done, go out and have a big ice cream soda. Celebrate. And a man wrote to me, he said, you know, I hadn't gone to confession in 30 years. Do you mind if I went and had a pizza? (laughs) I said, oh, have 20 pizzas. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. EWTN is now on Twitter. Get short, timely messages from EWTN on your computer or cell phone. It's easy to stay up to date on a wide variety of topics. Pro-life news, Vatican announcements, catechesis, apologetics, the latest EWTN programming, and more. You can link to EWTN on Twitter from our homepage or go to twitter.com slash EWTN. At work, at home, at school, and on the road. Stay connected to your world with EWTN's Twitter page. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, and we are going to jump right back in. We've been talking about today the cost and the reward of discipleship, and we just talked about the the, the cost that, that Jesus calls us in 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 uh, Luke chapter nine to carry our cross, to deny ourselves to carry our cross. And he closes by by saying, "Whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever would lose his life for my sake, he will save it." And uh, the 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 question that we that we that, that I that I offered to our campers today was how many people have ever roasted a marshmallow over a fire, and of course every hand goes up and and then my assumption of course is that that also means that that many people have dropped a marshmallow into a fire right okay now you're just hitting a sore spot on my life okay so, I dropped far too many marshmallows yeah. the interesting thing about dropping a marshmallow into a fire is, is that miserable science has made many progressions right science is is doing amazing things on a daily basis. Uh, you know, in, in medicine and energy and trans science, science can do, science can accomplish magic, right? What science can't do, um, is, is save a marshmallow from a fire. Mm. Okay. Once the marshmallow gets burnt, (laughs) there's nothing in the world that can take the ashes of a marshmallow and put them back together into a, into a delicious, tasty marshmallow again, unless you're one of those monsters that likes to eat the ashy marshmallow. I'm not. Right. Okay. So, so where's the parallel here? It's it's uh, when we look at when we look at sacrifice in the Old Testament. Right. What happened when you when you made a sacrifice on the altar? You would you would cut up an animal. You would sacrifice it on the altar, and more often than not, you'd burn it. Why? Because because the burnt offering can't be taken back. Because when we lose our lives, when we when we when we when we place our lives on the altar to be burnt and offered, um, it can it can never be recovered again. That that there's that there's no holding back when we give our lives to Him. Amen. Yeah, I love this scripture verse that He who, uh, you know, like loses their life will find it. And I I think this the, the reality is uh, in some of the 
translations of scriptures it says like he who throws their life away will find it or uh and and i just think that that's so beautiful like jesus wants number one he wants us to find our life yep, right yep and i think some of us like it's amazing how many of us can be in adulthood and yet we still haven't found our life like we're just we're just we're living but we haven't found life and and we're like well, why haven't i found life yet and and maybe it's because you haven't thrown your life away yet and mm. the the re- like if we throw like jesus says throw it away throw it away like like throw everything away, throw your agenda away, throw your plans away, throw your life away and give it completely to him. And once again, why is it that so many young people experience these like profound testimonies that we were sharing at the beginning? It's because they have this, uh, they have an availability to throw their life away. Whereas sometimes in adulthood, we don't or we convince or ourselves. We convince that ourselves. We don't. Yeah. And I want like, and maybe the Lord saying, Hey, I've been trying to introduce you to the life that you're, that I want you yep. to find and yep. discover this fullness of life in Christ. But because you're so attached, uh, not, not just to possessions, but to the structure of your lifestyle, you're not willing to throw it away. Maybe God has a far better career for you than you're living right now. Mm. Are you willing to throw away the career you have right now to discover the fullness of the career God has for you? Yep. Maybe the Lord has a far better life lifestyle for your family, but are you willing to to sell it all and throw it away to find the new life the Lord has for your yeah. family? Like, Or maybe the Lord has a far better life for your marriage, right? Are you willing to throw away what the structures that you have in your place? And we're just, we're stuck. And <laughs> I just, I love like so many of our um, kids will cut, co- like our young people will go to their parents and they'll, like we have a missionary community at Damascus and we our missionary community, like a lot of them will say to their parents, like, okay, I want to serve as a missionary. And we hear so often from good hearted parents, like, don't do that. Don't do that. You're going to throw your life away. And it's like, yeah, it's like, that's actually exactly what they're striving to do. They've thrown their life away yep. and they're giving a year or yep. two or yep. three or forever to the Lord and saying, Lord, no longer am I going to write the story of this book, but I'm going to let you write the chapters Amen. and day Amen. after day. So brothers, the, we've talked about the cost of discipleship. I want to close our show today with the reward. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 13. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in joy, he went and sold all that he had and he bought that field. And this scripture teaches us two things. Number one, the field I mean, the treasure that's hidden in the field is it's expensive. That the man has to go and sell everything he has. It costs him 100% of his lifestyle, 100% of his possessions. It costs him everything in order to purchase the field that this treasure's in. But here's the thing. He doesn't walk away and sell everything with difficulty. It says, then in his joy, he goes and sells all. Like, the, the reward of mm. the treasure of the kingdom is that in joy, I just run and I sell everything because I know the fruit of the treasure <laughs> is freedom, healing, and power. It's this Amen. new life. And the Lord says, Let's close in prayer. I want you to find this new life. And when we pray, God, bring us freedom. God, bring us healing. God, bring us power. Let us experience the promise that you made so that we could realize that if it's good enough for you, Jesus, it's good enough for me. If, if, if you suffered the way of the cross, you did it because you knew of the reward, not because you valued suffering. Jesus, help us to, to know that, that your path is our path. We desire freedom, we desire healing, and we desire power. That's your promise. It's worth it. Lord, I just pray that you would allow all of our listeners to hear this call and experience this call in their lives. 
just whatever they need to drop, allow them to walk away from it to find new life in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio. We'll uh, We'll join you next week.